So isn't it good to <coughs> gather together to rest in the, the love of your Saviour? Sounds like it. Isn't it good to gather and rest in the Saviour's love? Yes. It's a blessing to be able to turn to his word. Living testament of his love and power to find comfort and guidance. But isn't it a, uh, an interesting world that we live in at the moment? It's a world where it might feel as though Satan has upped the ante on chaos, fear and anxiety. I'm not sure that he has. If you think back through the generations, if you think back through world wars, uh, black fever, those kinds of things, but it certainly feels like Satan has upped the ante on chaos, fear and anxiety. We, we live in a volatile environment where one wonders at the moment what the political leaders around the world are going to do next. The leaders of Russia, Israel, Korea, China, Iran, Jordan. And you can go on. wonder what the leaders are likely to do next. We live under the constant threat of financial collapse, world financial collapse. The possible nuclear fallout the threat of another COVID-like epidemic around the corner. Locally, the media relentlessly tells us of what and whom we ought to be in fear. We're told not to trust anyone but ourselves. And where there is no trust, there is no rest. Where there is no trust... There is no rest. Jesus, however, told his disciples, and he tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For some of us, although God has promised us rest, for some of us we are not resting. Some of you here this morning are not Resting. And the reason is simple, and this might sound harsh, but the reason is we're not really trusting God. There's some area or multiple areas in our lives where we are not trusting God. And again, where there is no trust, there is no rest. So, if you haven't already turned in your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 8. Jesus has just been to Peter's house. He's healed Peter's mother-in-law. That evening, people come to be healed. They'd heard what Jesus had done. They come to be healed. And the following day, an even greater multitude is gathering together. The interesting thing is that Jesus doesn't choose to stay with them and teach and heal, but rather he gave order to cross to the other side of the lake in the boat with his disciples. So we come to verse 23. And when he got into the boat, the disciples followed him. 
And behold, there arose a furious storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he, Jesus, was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marvelled, saying, What kind of a man is this, that even the winds and the, and the sea obey him? The boat is caught in a, in a furious storm, yet there are two opposing positions of the people who are in that boat. Jesus has gone to sleep, and although the boat must be rocking and rolling and there is water being splashed into the, into the boat, he's asleep. Most of us probably can't sleep when we hear a mouse run into the room. The disciples, on the other hand, they're hanging on for dear life. This is the same boat going through the same storm, but two vastly different responses. And of the 12 apostles, we know that Peter, Andrew, James and John were fishermen by occupation, which means that being in a boat was second nature to them. And being in a boat during a storm was probably something they'd been through multitude of times, particularly when Lake Galilee, it's notorious for quick development of rough storms. It's down in a, in a valley, in a, in a um, well, a valley of 200 metres below sea level. And the wind just picks up. And it goes around and around inside that vortex. And I imagine that these disciples would have known what to do in a storm and they would have been trusting in their their skills and their past experience. We've been here before and we've got through. Sometimes we're too self-reliant, aren't we? Trusting in our own capabilities and trusting in, well, being through a similar thing before. We'll be right. Jesus, on the other hand, was a carpenter. He wasn't a fisherman. And I don't assume that he would have known what to do when in a storm, not having been on water all his working life. But he's the one who's resting. And the experienced fishermen are the ones who are panicking. Why? Well, Jesus lived by this conviction. May your will be done. May your will be done. His heart was secure as he had faith in his father that his father would be looking out for him. And whatever his father's will was, was fine with him. He was resting in his father's care and protection and Faye challenged us last week about walking in the father's will. Not our own to rest in the Father's will. How many times in the Gospels are we told that Jesus came to do the Father's will? Told that Jesus and the Father were one and Jesus said of himself, if you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. And so Jesus knew that the Father's will 
was fine for him. But he also knew that the Father's will would one day take him to the cross. A cross where he would die for the sins of the world. But he could rest confidently in what God had in store for him as he's crossing the sea in a furious storm. He could trust that even as he faced the storm of the cross, that the Father was with him. And God's will was best for everyone. Jesus knew that his Father and he knew the heart of his Father and he trusted in his Father so that he could rest in him. Do you know your Father? Do you know the heart of your Father? Are you trusting in your heavenly Father? Resting in him, even while the storm is raging about. And I wonder, what does your boat look like? What, what kind of boat are you travelling in at the moment? Maybe for some of you, life is just Jim and Danny, it's fantastic. This is a cruise liner. This is great life. And what kind of water are you sailing through at the moment? Oh, yeah, it's all calm, it's bliss. Maybe that's how it is for you in life at the moment. Maybe for some of you, or you're in a little dinghy and it's really rough. And you're not feeling so safe and secure at all. Now, four of the disciples had some experience in battling storms upon the light, on, the, on that lake and they were trusting in their own knowledge and their skills. Maybe the storm had become too great for them, but clearly for the other disciples, they were terrified and at least they, if not all of them, come to Jesus and they ask, save us, we're perishing, we're going to go down, we're going to be lost at sea, save us. The storm was too much for some of them, but if nothing else, at least they knew where to turn when things had gotten too much. And I know that you know when things are too much, you know where to turn. But that's not how God wants us to live this life, trying to cope on our own. And then eventually, when we've done all that we can do or turned everywhere else that we can turn to somebody else, when we seem out of our depth to then turn to him, that's not how God wants it to be. He says, why are you so afraid, O you of little faith? Now, if you have the NIV, it puts it the other way around. It says, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And I think that puts the emphasis on fear rather than faith. And the ESV puts the emphasis on faith. Why are you so afraid, O you of little faith? And it answers the question. And Hugh has already answered that question for us. Why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? You see, it's not about having enough faith to move mountains. It's not about having enough faith to calm the storm. This is not the intent of Jesus' words and actions here. He says, if you have faith, then you won't be afraid. 
if we truly believe that God was working out his plan and his plan is for the best and we started the service with God is good all the time. If we truly believe that, then we can rest in the midst of the storms that we face. I don't care what storm it is you're facing. What fearful storm are you facing at the moment? A volatile political environment? The threat of nuclear war? Another COVID-like pandemic? Maybe you're facing cancer? Another illness? Maybe the storm is a broken relationship that is, it's a real storm. Or is it a problematic work colleague? And it's just so tough. What storm are you facing? Are you at peace? Or are you afraid? Are you worrying? Are you anxious? Where there is no trust, there is no rest. Think back to a past storm. How did you cope? How did you handle it? Do we truly believe that God does know best and he is working out his plan for best? Do we truly believe that God is good? That he is working all things together for good, even though it doesn't look like it? Or do we want to be in control? Who do we turn to? Who do we trust in? Ourselves? Someone else? Or Jesus? Now let's suppose for a moment that I'm having some heart trouble. I'm not. Let me reassure you. I'm not having heart trouble. But let's pretend that I am. So I schedule an appointment with my dentist and he tells me, Steve, it's definitely your heart. I need to schedule you for surgery next week to take a look at your heart. Um, I'm not sure that I'm going to be that restful. I don't assume that my dentist would have any clue what to do with my heart. Where there's no trust, there's no rest. However, if I go to a heart surgeon, I may rest assured that he will do what is best for me and that his help is the best option for a better outcome. I'll be trusting that he can do what he says he can do. Now, at this stage, the disciples have a limited understanding of who Jesus is and what he can do. Verse 27 says that the disciples were amazed at what Jesus did. They marvelled that even nature obeyed his voice. And so prior to this event, when they got into the boat, Jesus had healed a man of leprosy. He had spoken words of healing for the centurion's servant, and he was healed without even Jesus being there. He had healed Peter's mother-in-law who lay sick with a fever. He'd cast out demons that night. He'd healed many who had come looking for healing. And so they knew that Jesus could heal physically and spiritually. But they didn't know that even nature would obey his voice. 
He thereby challenges the disciples to look beyond the storm, to look beyond their fear, to look beyond their doubt, to see him, to see his power and see his authority. They were learning just how sovereign Jesus was or Jesus is. Does he have authority over the spiritual storms that rage within you? And for some of you, I know that there are spiritual storm has been going on for some time. Does he have authority over that spiritual storm that rages within you? Or are you refusing to give him that authority? You want to sit on the throne in that area. He has the power to calm our fears and still our anxieties and quiet our doubts. Does he have authority to bring peace and godliness into your life? So Jesus was challenging the disciples to trust in the sovereignty of God. This is why Jesus could rest in the boat. He was trusting in the sovereignty of his father. He placed his life in his father's hands. He trusted him to care and protect him, whatever God's will was. And although Jesus could calm the storm if he so choose to, in fact, Jesus could have stepped out of that boat in the midst of the storm and wandered off. But he calms the storm to allay the fears of the disciples in an attempt to teach them to place their trust in their father too, in his father to trust in God's sovereignty. Are we truly trusting God? Are we resting? If we truly believe that God is working all things together for good, even while we're feeling the effects of a furious storm that's going on at the moment, then keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus should allow us to rest. Instead of focusing on the storm, focus on Jesus. The storms of life may be fierce and they may be terrifying, but we're not alone in our boat. We have a saviour who not only has the power to calm the storm, but also to calm us, our fears. When we're trusting in Jesus, there is a great calm. The wind and the waves died down, but within the hearts of the disciples too, there was a great calm. What are you anxious about? What stresses you? What leaves you sleepless at night? What often brings you to tears? Why so? Yeah, you have little faith. There's a great calm in trusting in the Prince of Peace. Six chapters later, Matthew 14 
Jesus comes walking to the disciples on the water during a storm. And Peter asks the Lord, allow me to come to you. And Peter began to walk on the water too. Peter knew that he could trust Jesus. But Peter was about to learn a vital lesson and it's a lesson that we all need to learn too. Stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. Matthew says, When Peter saw that the wind was boisterous, he became afraid and he began to sink. But when he cried out to the Lord to save him, the Lord reached out his hand and lifted him up again. The lesson is clear, isn't it? Know that Jesus can do what he says he can do and stay focused on him. Not on your circumstances. Trust in Jesus. Stay focused on him. You see, Jesus doesn't calm the boisterous waves in this instance. In this story, he doesn't calm the the storm. In fact, Jesus doesn't always calm the storm. And most times he doesn't. If you take the time to read 2 Corinthians 11, you'll see how God doesn't calm the storms for Paul, the great apostle Paul, and yet God doesn't calm the storms that he goes through. Storms meant that he was actually shipwrecked on three occasions and on one of those times he found himself treading water or at least hanging on to something in the ocean for 24 hours. What would be going through your mind if all of a sudden and for the next 24 hours, but you don't know, am I going to be rescued? I'm out in open water. And listen to the dangers that Paul faced from verse 26. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. This is a life where he is constantly in danger. I have laboured and toiled and I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. God doesn't calm too many of the storms that Paul faced. But Paul was trusting in God. Paul was trusting in God to do for him what was in God's will, what was in the Father's will. And he had learnt to be content. So be assured of this. God was always with Paul. He never left him. He was in the boat of life with Paul. You see, Jesus is not overwhelmed by the storms that you and I face. He's not overwhelmed by those storms. He has the power to calm them, but he has the power to calm us. He's not distant. He's not detached. He is present with us in the midst of our struggles and he's offering us his peace. He can do what he says he can do. 
And remember again, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's less concerned about calming the storm without than he is with calming the storm within. He wants us to be trusting our Father and thereby walking in peace regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in. He says, why are you so afraid, ye of little faith? And Jesus' invitation remains, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And so I encourage you to do that. Come to Jesus. Give him your your burdens. Bring him your cares because he cares for you. And stay focused on Jesus, not the storm. Let him bring you his peace and his rest. We're going to 